Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. In your bulletin, we were going to expand this out a little bit, but this entire passage will probably take us about three weeks uh, to get through, uh, verse 7 through verse 16. So we're going to spend probably this week and the next two weeks in this small portion of Scripture in order for us to talk a little bit about what uh, the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Ephesian church uh, with regards to unity and diversity and giftedness and all of these things that God says interact and he wants to interact well uh, within uh, the local church. Remember that in the book of Ephesians, Paul is speaking to Jews and Gentiles and he's encouraging them uh, to live and to work together, to be in the church together, to advance the gospel uh, together to be in unity. Don't fuss uh, with one another, but live peaceably with one another, engage one another, love one another. And so in chapters one through three, he's really laying a theological framework for unity of Jew and Gentile together. And then in beginning in chapter four, he's really putting down some practical ways in which you and I are to live in unity with one another. So he's telling us in the first three chapters uh, why uh, theologically that we want to be in unity. And then in the last three chapters, he's really putting some practical legs on this saying, this is how you are to exist together in unity as the church of the living God. And so we want to, as we have been jumping into chapter 4, it's going to get more and more practical for us. How do we live this out faithfully with one another? I believe that this passage is also a reminder to us about the importance of being together in the local church. There are a lot of good Christian organizations uh, that assist in the mission of uh, the gospel, seminaries and Bible schools and K through 12 schools and missions organizations and other things that are parachurch organizations that are there to help support the local church in its mission. But I want us to be reminded that in Ephesians and in Paul's letters, he's often point, speaking directly to the local church. In the book of Revelation, Jesus spoke to specific churches in specific areas. And so we cannot neglect nor forget the local expression of the church. What we're doing this morning, our gathering together this morning, us being in community this morning, us singing together this morning and worshiping together this morning, us shaking hands and fellowshipping with one another this morning is an important aspect of what God wants to do. God says this local church, this local body is important to my mission on the earth. It shouldn't be something that we treat lightly. It shouldn't be something that we treat flippantly. This is why even during the time of the pandemic, there were churches that were saying, we have to get back to meeting together. We have to get back to meeting together. Meeting together is important. It's important for us to be in proximity. Thank God for technology. But it's important for us to be together in the body of Christ. 
And so we have to recognize that here the letter to the Ephesians was written to a local assembly of believers and was intended to minister to the local assembly of believers. And in verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul, in the first six verses of chapter 4, is talking about oneness, togetherness, one God, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, oneness, that we're together. We are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. And so in verse 7, he changes the tone a little bit, and he moves from that sense of oneness to each of us has a gift, and grace has been given to you in order to faithfully operate that gift. And what verse 7 is pointing us to, and what we'll bear out in future messages is God has given each one of you a gift and that gift is to be employed within the church and the gift that God has given you is also given you the grace to faithfully operate in it. Again, I believe in the context of a local assembly. There ought to be something that reaches into the local assembly of believers. It doesn't mean that we're not doing other things that are out there and helping other ways and other things, but the, 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 the uh, importance of us being engaged in the local assembly and using that gift cannot be understated. The church is often not unified because the body fails to operate in their giftings. Church is often not unified because the body fails to operate in its giftings. And again, we're going to talk more about that here in just a moment. While we're one in Christ, we're not a monolithic block. The goal of the gospel is not to make each one of us exactly alike. The goal of the gospel is not to make each one of us act the same, talk the same, be the same, have the same gifts, have the same teaching ability, preaching ability, uh, gift ability, whatever you may want to say, it's not to make all of us exactly the same. We're not striving to all be the same. In this passage, Paul affirms that in the midst of biblical unity, there is individual diversity in terms of our contribution to the kingdom. We're different, and we contribute to the kingdom differently, but we're all united in Christ. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. The first thing I think about that passage is the very first few words, to each one of us, not to some of us, not to the ones who have seminary education, not to the ones who have Bible school education, not to the ones who have some special ministry opportunity, but to each one of us, to you and to me, to every one of us who are here, there is a gift that has been given and we're called to operate in it to each one of us. Everyone has been given a gift, and you've been given the grace to operate in it. Well, this idea of each one of us, or everyone in some versions, comes from the Greek word hekastos, which means everyone. Yeah, I didn't have to throw that in there. Everyone means everyone, right? That's what it means. There's no underlying meaning. There's no shifty kind of meaning. The word means everyone. Say me. 
I got a gift. That's right. You've got a gift, and God has given you the grace to operate in it. Pastorally, often what I hear when the gifts come up is, I don't know my gift. I don't know what kind of gift I have. I don't know what my gift is. And the best way to know what your gift is is to pray. I, I know there are a lot of tests out there that you can take, spiritual gift inventory, spiritual gift assessments, and they all have their place, and they're all great and, and good in their place. But I also believe that you have to pray to know and understand what God has gifted you to do. Ask trusted people in the body of Christ. We'll talk more about this. Who are those trusted people? Ask trusted people in the body of Christ. What do you see in me that I have to offer to the local assembly of believers in terms of a gift? What grace has God put in my life? Pray. Ask other people. Does the body of Christ recognize the gift at work in you? Are people already coming to you? Do you have a gift? where you're able to understand and discern situations? Do people come to you for that purpose? Do people come to you for counseling? Do people come to you to have understanding? Do people come to you? Do you have the gift of intercession? Are you the one people come to when they need prayer? An operation within the body, and it begins to be recognized within the body. I don't know my gift. Secondly, I often hear, I can't operate in my gift. I know God has called me in some way, but my past is too messed up, and I just don't think God can use me any longer. Your past does not prohibit you from operating in the gift that God has called you to operate in. What's in the past is in the past. And what you're saying when you say, I know God has given me a gift, but my past is too great to overcome using that gift. You're saying two things. One, you're saying the grace of God is not enough for me. The grace of God is not enough for me because God still holds my sin against me, even though he's gifted me in this way. But the word of the Lord says in 4.7 of Ephesians, it says that he's given you grace to operate in the gift, and so you're wasting God's grace sitting on the sidelines, waiting, 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 wasting the grace of God that has been given to you. I can't operate in my gift. Or we find at times that there are those who try to operate in a gift that's not theirs. We see certain giftings, and we admire those giftings, and we want to have those giftings. And so you try to operate in that gifting that's not yours, and it creates chaos. It creates challenge and difficulty. Sometimes we may desire gifts and try to operate in them, but God has not given those gifts to us, nor has he given us the grace to operate in them. So we have to pray with discernment and understanding. The gift that you have, God has given you the grace to activate, to use, and to sustain. And there are 
many gifts that have been given. A few of those are mentioned later, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and we're going to expand on those. But your gifting and calling and ability is supposed to be different from other people. You may see things in the church that others do not see. You might be asking the question right now, why do they do that? Why don't they do this? Why is this not happening in our church? The church needs to handle this. That may be the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you to step out in your gifting. To step out in your calling because he's given you eyes to see what's not yet there. He's given you eyes to see things that aren't quite working right. And our human tendency is to sit around and complain about it when God's saying, get on the bike and start pedaling. Quit complaining. I'm opening this up to you for a reason and for a purpose. Use your gifting. I've given you grace to understand. You have seen the need because God has revealed it to you and he may be calling you to be a catalyst to bring that change. There's been grace given to each one of us. Then each one of us must employ that grace for the glory of God. The kingdom of God needs you and Riverstone Church needs you. As I've said multiple times before, you're living in one of the best times there is to live. You're living at a time where God has called you to see what is happening in the world right now. And he has gifted you uniquely and specifically to live in this time to fulfill his mandate that his glory would cover the earth. That his name would be magnified in all of the earth. He's calling you for that purpose and he's calling me for that purpose. My experience has also been that people have been hurt at the church due to misuse of authority and lack of recognition of the gifts. Sometimes you operate in your gift and you feel like a beaten, broken down workhorse because everybody comes to you all the time to do everything. And you get up and you leave and you say, I'm sick of that. I'm going somewhere where nobody knows me. Some stay on the sidelines because they were hurt and they want to protect themselves from future pain. I believe that God will hold us accountable for sitting on the sidelines because grace has been given to you to operate in the gifts that God has given you because they are needed in the church and they're needed not just to do stuff. See, this is, I think, at times where it, Maybe leadership in churches, myself, others don't do the best job of communicating. We say, oh, we need a nursery worker. <laughs> so this is your calling. Or we need a kids' church person. Or we need uh, someone to help with music or this, that, or the other. And we want to fill a slot. And here we want to be sure that we're just not slot fillers. That if that slot doesn't get filled, what I'm going to begin to do is I'm going to begin to pray. Is this a ministry God even wants us to have? If the people aren't gifted for it, if no one's stepping up, if no one's seeing that this is an opportunity, is this a ministry that God even wants us to have? Are we trying to do something that God doesn't 
want us to do. So we have to pray all the time. We have to seek all the time. We have to gain understanding all the time from the Lord about what He wants to do in His church. Paul's desire is to see the local church equipped with the gifts that God has provided. I thought this morning, how do I illustrate this point for us to kind of grab a hold of it and walk away with something? If I can have some help, brethren, uh, pulling those three tables here in the front and getting those nine chairs uh, in that first stack right there uh, set around, uh, please, brothers, if you don't mind. Uh, helping me to move those here into uh, the center right here in the front, please. Just kind of a long, a long row uh, there. I want you to think about this table, these tables and this area uh, as this is us operating in the church together. God's called you and I to the table. He's called you and I to feast at the table. He's called you and I to sit around the table. And I want you to think of it as you might think of it with your uh, family at home. And so I'm going to invite my family, if you guys will, I want you all to come and sit around the table like we do in the same kind of spots that we do at dinner time. okay? We need one at the end there and one at the end here. That would be great. Claire here. We'll sit, well, let's sit where we normally do at dinner, at dinner time, all right? Claire, Caroline. Oh, we're doing the opposite. You sit down there. Okay, I've already switched this around here. There we go. So this is our normal seating spot at, uh, at the dinner table. My kids are always so excited to partic- participate in illustrations. at our house everyone has a seat at the table so uh, we have a table that we all have a place to sit around everybody has a spot that they normally sit in at that table I want you to see we're all at different places around the table nobody's sitting on top of one another nobody doesn't have a chair nobody's thrown out you know back sometimes we might want to do that but uh, everybody's got a place at uh, the table. Everybody's eating the same meal. When the meal's prepared and it's set on the table, one of the things that we've tried to teach our kids from the beginning is you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. <laughs> that what's at the table, we're going to eat. If you don't want to eat it, that's up to you. Uh, but there's food here that God's provided for us, and we're going to eat that food. And if you don't want it, then this will be your night to fast before the Lord. You get what you get, and you don't pitch a fit. Now, I would expect that around this table, there's people of different ages and stages in life. So, particularly when Isaiah was a little younger, I would see my wife helping to cut his food up. Smaller pieces, so he wouldn't choke. Now imagine if I had to get up from the table and I have to walk over here to my 18-year-old son and I have to start cutting his food in little pieces for him and he's just sitting there watching. Now you would look at that and say, that is foolish. (laughs) You've not taught him any better than that? That's ridiculous. 
Because there's an expectation that we grow up in our gifts. There's an expectation that he's, he's not drinking milk solely anymore. That he's on some solid food right now and needs to begin to do some things by himself. There's some instruction that happens around the table. Isaiah, hold your fork properly. We're not stabbing the food, okay? We're holding a fork properly so we actually look like civilized people. Claire, don't chew with, don't talk with your mouth open, with your food in your mouth open. Don't talk like that. So we're giving instruction as we are around the table. Now, if this is our church, and you and I are sitting around the table together, and we're enjoying fellowship, we want our church to grow. We're excited when God brings new people along, and so God brings the Mallory family along. Come on over here. I need all four of you, please. No, just wait. No, Come on, stand right here. No, I was, I just, we'll wait on the chairs just a moment. Yep. <laughs> now, the Mallory family comes, and the Mallory family has gifts and abilities. The Mallory family has things that they could really bring to the table. Now, imagine if they came to our house and we continued eating just like this. <laughs> imagine that if we just sat here at the table and we just let y'all watch us for a while, okay? Y'all watch. Y'all see what's on the table. I know y'all hadn't eaten in a while, but just stand there and watch. Not respecting that their gift now needs to be at this table. Their ability now needs to be at this table. Now what happens at this table is I can say, here, Mike, come sit on my lap, buddy. <laughs> well, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. So what has to happen is we have to start shuffling some things around. Now we're going to bring these chairs up. We're going to start shuffling some things around. We're going to bring the Mallory family in places where they can fit. Let's find a chair. Wherever. We're going to fit them in where they belong. Amen? We're going to fit them in around the table. Because we know there's a place for them to be here at the table, to operate in the gifting that God has given them, because God has given them grace as well. Thank you, brother. God has given them grace as well. And what it requires of my family, who's used to doing it a certain way, who's used to sitting around the table a certain way, who's used to uh, interacting with one another in a certain way, it requires us to shift some of our positions, some of our roles, some of our responsibility, to be willing to give up some space so that somebody else can step in and sit along with us and we can enjoy something that's actually even more delightful when we have other people who who have other experiences, other backgrounds, other wisdom, other knowledge, because this brother is going to say, oh, y'all are having barbecue tonight. Let me tell you how I can fix barbecue. I've got a secret recipe, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you the recipe, but I'll share with you some sauce, and I'll share with you how you can cook it a little better. I can tell you how it's not going to be so dry. No, we're not. Uh, 
we're not the most athletic family. We got a soccer player and a football player here at the table who can say, hey, have you guys seen how to do this? Everybody around this table now has a gift to contribute. In our house, one of the things my wife does is she sets a list up in the pantry door. And on the pantry door, everyone has a chore. After dinner, everyone has a chore, a responsibility. We had someone speak to us one time. We, uh, my wife, I think at one season, may have been about to kind of you know, pull the hair because of all the kids. <laughs> and we had a lady that said she wanted to help and be a blessing to our family. And she came in and actually lived with, stayed with us for a week ish about a week and one of the things she said that stuck with me how many people does it take to run a household of nine it takes nine people how many people does it take to run a church of 200 or however many we can't do it if we're all not engaged thank you guys i want to illustrate one other point and then we're going to pray Here's what we often, we can just push those tables on that side, please. Here's what we often think. We want to come to the altar and we want to pray, God, I have a burden. God, you've given me grace. God, I want to step into what you have for me. And... What happens is, I'm going to keep this one right here, brother. I'm going to keep using it. Thank you. When we do that, we push the table along a little bit. And sometimes, I've been there, we get frustrated that the table is not over here where God told us a long time ago it was supposed to be. We get frustrated about it, and we'll stop praying about it. We'll stop talking about it. We'll stop equipping ourselves with it. When I felt God called to ministry, when I felt God's call to vocational ministry, one of the first things I did was paint walls. Pushing it along. Then there were some other opportunities that pushed it along. It's the same way in your life when you're seeking God for a breakthrough. You want a breakthrough? We want a breakthrough in our church. We want a breakthrough uh, to see God move in our life. We want revival. Our sister Autumn is praying and seeking the Lord to help us be engaged in prayer, that we're seeking God. Sometimes those prayer meetings, when they start out, it seems kind of dry. You'll admit that, won't you? Sometimes it seems like, what's happening here, God? Where are you? What's going on? Well, we keep rolling because we're pushing along and we're going to keep doing what we know to do we know to pray you're going to keep operating in your gift you're going to push it along you're going to push it along and when i'm pushing and when brother mike begins to push and sister trish begins to push and my family's pushing and your family's pushing and we got all of us moving in the right direction with the grace that god has given us and the gifting that god has given us because however many people are in this room is the number of people that are required to get this church to where it needs to go we're all pushing, and momentum happens by the power of God's Spirit, and it begins to blow at our back, and we begin to see transition, and we begin to see transformation, and we begin to see people delivered, and we begin to see people healed, and we begin to see families reunited, and we begin to see people transformed by the grace of the gospel. But somewhere back here, somebody has to get the idea that I'm willing to push a little bit. I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone. I know God has given me grace, and God has given me a gift. 
And I'm not just simply content to sit here and warm this blue chair. We believe God's word. We, we, can, we can play around with it. We can play around with it. And yeah, I believe God's word. I believe his word is true. I believe this is truth. I believe, I believe in all of it. But when, the, when it gets down to the brass tacks, do we really believe it? If we believe this word to the Ephesian church this morning, that God has given you a gift and God has given you the grace to operate in it, then we ought to spend some time seeking God for what that is if you don't know. And we ought to spend some time seeing how that operates in this local church if you don't know. We ought to see some time, spend some time thinking about how that gift is going to operate to impact the body of Christ. That's why I started this message out looking at the understanding of God's love for the local church, his desire for the local church to grow. Jesus in Revelation speaking to those local churches that were in those areas. Specific groups of people who were gathered together. Because you are gifted. God has given you grace. And it's to be employed for his good in the context of brothers and sisters here. I generally preach expository sermons. What that means is verse by verse through larger passages of Scripture. I don't preach topically generally. Uh, a specific topic today that I think, okay, I'm going to preach this topic or that topic or this topic or that topic. I generally don't do that. I generally preach expository sermons uh, going through. So I did not, when I started out, my, my, my schedule for sermons for this year has changed all the time. Because just like today, I thought we're going to get all the way through verse 16. We got through one verse. So what I can tell, to, to tell you is that today's word was for today. Last week's word was for last week. Today's word is for today. You're here today. Let's serve together. Because when we serve together and you serve in the grace God has given you and you serve with the gifting that God has given you, even though it's different from mine and mine is different from yours, it will bring unity in this assembly. It will bring unity in this church. And we'll keep pushing things along and we'll see God do great things. His word says it. His word says it. And we will see it with our own eyes. Let's stand together. Let's pray.